At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for the low. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. And we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment, going to be joined by Ben Wilson. He does an amazing job over here at Beeson hosting the show Primetime Action, typically towards the early part of the week. You've seen him on Beeson Bet Center. He does the run line as well with Adam Burke every Sunday. You're able to catch that if you're out there on the East Coast. From 8 to 10, if you're out here on the West Coast, that is from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. So we're going to be chatting about him with all the moves that we want to see at the trade deadline hierarchy out there in the American League and the National League and diving into the NL Central race that we've got between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So no shortage of things to chat about with our good friend Ben. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first. Always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast, and we got one or two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNRSquarty1. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a fun day of baseball on Saturday. Let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The New York Mets take a pair from the Atlanta Braves. 8-5 to five was the final in game number one. Great name, David Peterson. Great start. Five and a third inning scoreless. He's been very good. 
for the New York Metropolitans from there. Bullpen was a little bit shaky. Johan Lopez gives up three runs in a third of an inning. Adam Adovino and Edwin Diaz, they combine for two scoreless innings. As Seth Lugo gives up two runs in one and a third innings, but the Mets did all the damage with the bat. No home runs, but 7 of 14 with men in scoring position. Jake Odorizzi, his debut with the Bravos didn't go as planned. Four and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. Bryce Elder had to close out the game, going two and a third innings, giving up three runs. And Tyler Madzik, two runs surrendered in an inning. And then the Battle of Maxes also did wind up going over. So, pair of overs, as we've seen north of 60% of games in game two of a doubleheader, wind up going under the total this on a breaking that, but 6-2. Mets are able to get the job done here as for Atlanta. You did have William Contreras go yard. He's actually been very good recently for the Atlanta Braves. 15th home run season that comes off of Trevor May. And, I mean, both runs were given up by the bullpen. Michael Givens, he gives up a run in an inning and not been great for him. Ever since he got acquired by the Mets, as he's given up six runs in less than three innings. But Mad Max Scherzer, he was Mad Max. 11 punch outs, no runs surrendered in seven innings for the Mets. No home runs in this game as well, but they did a good job of getting to Max Freed. Freed with a little bit of an unfortunate circumstance here as he winds up having Dansby Swanson behind him commit a pair of errors. Oscar Riley has an error as well. Gives up four runs, only two of which were earned over the course of six innings. As he allowed just six hits in the process. Then, then Jake Stevens from there, he gives up two runs in two innings as well. So that was a little bit tough for the Braves. Both of those Stevens runs were earned, by the way. Other double dip involved the Angels and the Mariners, and this one was a split. The Mariners wind up taking game one by a count of two to one. Nobody scored after the third inning, as for the Angels, I mean, but yeah, not a bad start here. He does wind up giving up two runs in four and two thirds innings as Ty France gets his 14th home run season. From there, Mike Myers, typically known for his comedy, three and a third inning scoreless. Nothing funny about that if you want to take in the Seattle Mariners run line in for Seattle. Very good start here from George Kirby, giving up one run in six innings. Matthew Fessa and Andres Munoz combined for two scoreless innings before Eric Swanson closes the door, gets a save with a scoreless inning, and then for the Angels, they wind up setting the total over in game number two of their doubleheader. 7-1 the final as Chris Flexen, he was not flexing on his record, gives up five runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of jacks as going deep for the Angels. Mickey Monick, who had no home runs this season with the Phillies, he's got two down with the Angels. And then David Fletcher is able to get home run number two. Reed Detmers, a very good start. One run surrendered over the course of seven innings. And if you take a look at Detmers, all of a sudden, since he wound up getting recalled from the minors, he has been absolutely terrific. He has given up now two runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts. So very solid work there. Ryan Tapera and Oliver Ortega were able to give you a scoreless inning from there. You wind up having the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds play another high-scoring game. They have played north of 75% of their games the over when they've hooked up, and it's the Red Likes who gets a 7-5 win. Reds have scored at least three runs in 11 out of their 12 games against the Brewers this season, by the way. Brewers, I believe, have scored at least three in every one of theirs. As for Cincinnati, Joey Votto winds up going yard off of Jake McGee, 11th home run season. The starter in Aaron Ashby winds up giving up one of the two home runs that we would see from Jose Barreto. For Barreto, home runs number one and two of the season. The other winds up coming off of Hobie Milner and Brent Suter. He decided to get in on the giving up home runs. He winds up giving a run up to Donovan Solano, third of the campaign. Milner gives up one run in one and a third innings. Jake McGee, his home run comes in one inning of work. Brent Suter gives up a home run in two innings of work. And Aaron Ashby gives up four runs in four and two-thirds innings. So every pitcher that took the mound for the Brewers gave up at least one bomb. And the Brewers got a pair of home runs of their own, both coming off of Nick Lodolo in the fourth inning. as Andrew McCutcheon, 11th home run season. 
And then Kessinura, we say Ipipira for his ninth home run of the season. As the DK Nation pick was on the over, that helped that out. Under Strickland gives up a run in one inning of work, but Reds bullpen after Lodolo gives up three runs in four and two-thirds innings. They went to work. Buck Farmer, Joe Cuno, Alexis Diaz, I'll give you a scoreless setting, and Revier St. Martin is able to get an out out of the bullpen. The Miami Marlins, they've been able to get outs, but they have been getting out as well at the plate. One run in their last two games as they get shut out, 4-0. to The Cubs wind up being able to get it done for Pablo Lopez. It's been a little bit chilly for him recently. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including a home run to P.J. Higgins, his fourth home run season. From there, you do wind up having a scoreless setting from Richard Blyer and Jeff Brigham. He was able to give you two scoreless, but for the Miami Marlins, just five hits in this one as Drew Smiley, he was smiling about this one. 62 thirds inning scoreless. Mark Leiter Jr. gets a final seven outs of the game without giving up a run. Patrick Corbin Day was very, very prolific as Patrick Corbin gives up six runs while getting two outs. Second time in his last three starts that he does this. He now has an ERA of a 702 as the Nationals get crushed by a count of 11 to 5. For Patrick Corbin, good gosh almighty, is now 4 and 16, in danger of being the first 20 game loser in quite a while that we've seen in the major leagues. And take a look at Patrick Corbin. He now has an ERA that is north of nine since the beginning of the month of July. That's not great. He's given up at least four runs in each out of his last seven starts. From there, Jordan Weems not much better. Three runs surrendered and two and a third innings. Steve Ciszek, Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan, Andres Machado. I'll give you a scoreless setting in Carl Edwards Jr. He gives up two runs in an inning as Edwards Jr. winds up allowing a home run to JT Riumuto. 12th home run season. Then Patrick Corbin gives up a home run to Reese Hoskins. 23rd of the campaign. Matt Beerling is fourth. Ranger Suarez wasn't necessarily sharp himself. Three runs surrendered in five and a third innings. But you know what? When you go up against Patrick Corbin, you get a little bit of leeway. Luke Voigt. 14th home run of the season from there. Nick Nelson gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Andrew Bellotti, a run surrendered in an inning before Corey Canable and Jose Alvarado. Able to close things out with a scoreless inning. The Tampa Bay Rays, they wind up having a rough one against the Detroit Tigers. 9-1. Detroit gets it done. And Shane McClanahan really hurting his Cy Young candidacy. It's very possible right now that he could be finding himself at number three by the end of the week in terms of the Cy Young odds board as Dylan Cease's looks odd. Justin Verlander's look very good. And McClanahan gives up four runs over the course of six and a third innings to the Tigers. From there, you did wind up having Jimmy Yacobonis look actually worse. Three runs surrendered in two-thirds of an inning, and Yu Chang came on to pitch. He gave up two runs, including Homer in his inning of work. Jonathan Scope, he gets his eighth home run season, and Garrett Hill, very good start here for the Detroit Tigers. One sole run surrendered in five and a third innings, going deep for Tampa Bay. Yu Chang, he both allows and gets a home run, his second home run season from there. Alex Lang is able to give you down out of the bullpen. Andrew Chafin, Joey Jimenez were both able to give you a scoreless setting, and then Luis Castillo winds up giving you a scoreless setting as well. No, not the Luis Castillo that used to play the field or the Luis Castillo and is now on the Seattle Mariners. You did wind up seeing the Chicago White Sox get blanked by the Walker Texas Rangers 8-0. Michael Kopech continues to see regression. Four runs surrendered in three and a third innings, including a home run to Ezekiel Duran. Third home run season from there. Four runs, two of which were earned, given up in two innings by Tanner Banks, and then you end up having Jose Ruiz give you one and two-thirds innings. Scoreless Matt Foster, a scoreless inning for Texas. Very good start from Dane Dunning. He's got an ERA that's more than two and a half points lower at home rather than on the road since he got dealt from the Chicago White Sox. Sticking it to his former team, one it's rendered in seven innings, and then Taylor Hearn gives you two innings out of the bullpen scoreless. Speaking of guys going up against their former team, you wound up having Jordan Montgomery do that. His debut with the St. Louis Cardinals, very solid as the Cards get a 1-0 win. Domingo Armand, 
not bad in this one either. He gives up one run over the course of five innings for the Yankees. Problem was Montgomery. He went five scoreless innings from there. Both the bullpens were solid. Aroldis Chapman, a scoreless inning for the Yankees. Lou Trevino and Ron Menarachio combined for two scoreless innings. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Jordan Hicks, Genesis Cabrera, they combined for three scoreless innings. And Giovanni Gagos, he was able to line a scoreless inning as well. Neither of these teams necessarily doing a lot on offense. The Yankees held to just two hits in this game. You don't see that very often. You don't see a 3-2 game in a Colorado Rockies final typically, but that's what you wind up having as the Rockies, they get it done thanks to home runs in the 8th and ninth inning. Ryan McMahon in the ninth inning off of Ian Kennedy winds up being the savior. His 10th home run season then. First home run season for... Ellie Harris, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Montero, as he winds up going deep off of Merrill Kelly, he winds up blending a very good start. Winds up giving up that home run, two runs in total over the course of seven innings. Joe Mantiply was able to lend a scoreless inning, and then Ian Kennedy gives up the home run in his inning of work. And then for Arizona, Dalton Varsho takes Antonio Sensatella deep, his 16th home run season for Sensatella. Gives up two runs in seven innings, including that bomb. He's been just avoiding danger all season long. Carlos Cesevitz, Daniel Bart, pitches scoreless eighth and ninth innings for the Rockies, who have been really the most, shall we say, Rocky team on the road this season to be able to get it done as they are now, in terms of their road record, 18-35. and 35, And the Arizona Diamondbacks continue to be a very solid under team when they have been at home. The LA Dodgers proving that they are still a leg above the San Diego Padres. 8-3, to three, the Dodgers wind up being able to get it done. The ERA of Andrew Heaney continues to actually go down. He does wind up giving up three runs in four and two-thirds innings. All unearned, though. Was hurt by a pair of errors by Max Muncy and Gavin Lux out there in the field. So he now has a 0.64 ERA. Don't know how long that's going to be lasting, but it's Maranta, Evan Phillips, Chris Martin all lend a squirrel setting. Alex Vizia gives you four outs on the bullpen. And for the Dodgers, Max Muncy made up for his error by going deep off of Mike Clevenger. One home run season. Clevenger also allows Will Smith to get jiggy with it for his 16th home run season. Clevenger gives up those two home runs. Five runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Did have Robert Suarez give up a run in an inning to Bo Christman. He gives up two hundred runs. Hurt by a Manny Machado fielding errors. Adrian Motajon was able to give you four outside the bullpen as well. Machado been a little bit rough for him since the beginning of the month of July. Hitting right around a two forty in total. So that's been a little bit of an issue. No issues for the Minnesota Twins on Saturday though. They take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 7-3. The debut of Mitch White for Toronto, not so great. He winds up giving up three runs in four and two-thirds innings, but bullpen didn't help him out too much. David Phelps, Tim Mesa, both go two-thirds of an inning. Both wind up allowing two runs with Mesa giving up a home run before you wind up having Anthony Bass and Adam Simber combined for three outs out of the bullpen without allowing anything. Zap Pop, he had things popping with a scoreless inning, but for Minnesota, Jose Miranda gets his 11th home run season. Don't, don't call him Al Bundy. Well, he lasted about as long as Al Bundy. He got six punch outs, but gave up two runs, including a homer in four innings, going deep off of him. Bo Bichette, 15th home run season, but the bullpen at his back. Trevor McGill, along with Ore Lopez, both land a scoreless inning. Michael Fulmer, Caleb Theobar, they combined for two scoreless. Griffin Jacks, he's been getting jacks up recently, giving up a run in a third of an inning, but Yuan Duran was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, so the Twins wind up being able to get it done. The Red Sox demise continues. I believe that they are now 6-10 in their last 16 games. They lose to the Kansas City Royals by a count of 5-4 as for Boston. Pair of home runs in this one. Bobby Dahlbeck, 11th home run in the campaign, and Alex Verdugo is 7th. Those both come off of Daniel Lynch, who allowed all four runs, including those two bombs in six innings. Taylor Clark, Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman from there. Monday scoreless setting in. The Royals wind up getting the deep ball going. Nick Prado, walk-off homer in the ninth inning off of Garrett Woodlock. 
second home run of the campaign, and then Anthony Ivaldi doing what he does best, allowing deep balls. MJ Melendez, his 12th home run season. Kyle Isabel is third as Ivaldi. He is now up to a grand total of 20 home runs surrendered. Still not quite on Josiah Gray's level, but that's towards the top of the American League, giving up four runs over the course of six innings, including those two homers, and then Garrett Woodlock. Two and two-thirds innings, he allows that to home run that wound up pretty much walking off the game. So that was a bit of an issue as for the Royals among their eight hits in this one. They wound up being able to get three bombs. That helped them to victory. The San Francisco Giants, they got enough offense to be able to get to victory against the Oakland A's. 7-3 the final. Carlos Rodon, a very solid start. Winds up giving up one run over the course of five and a third innings. He wound up taking his strikeout prop. That did not wind up getting there, but certainly was able to do enough to be able to get it done here. Junior Marte, scoreless inning, Tyler Rogers, pair of outside the bullpen, and then Jerome Garcia does wind up giving up two runs in two innings, including a home run to Sky Bolt. Fourth home run season, but Adam Oller. His ERA is a 7.63 for the season. That's worth some Patrick Corbin's at this point. He lost four runs in five innings, including a homer that wound coming off the bat of Lamonte Wade Jr. Fourth home run season from there, Joey Bart and J.D. Davis. Both go yard. Bart is ninth home run season, and Davis is sixth. Those both come off of Kirby Sneed for Sneed. Gives up those two home runs, three runs in total over the course of two innings before Austin Pruitt and Sam Selman both lend a scoreless setting for the Giants. 52-55, and 55, a little bit of a lost season, but that is a rivalry that still has a lot of meaning for both teams. The Cleveland Guardians wind up taking it to the Houston Astros. 4-1 to one the final as the Astros gave up all the runs in the first two innings that they did not wind up scoring until the ninth as you did have Alamendi's Diaz wind up providing a pair of doubles in this one, but that was really the lone sign of brightness for Luis Garcia. Settled down after those first two innings, but gave up four runs in total over the course of six innings before Phil Maton, Will Smith, both lend a scoreless inning in for the Guardians. Two of nine with men in scoring position, but it was enough to be able to get it done here as the Astros also were by a pair of errors, and Cal Quantrill was on his game. Gives up nothing in his six innings of work, just three hits along the way. Trevor Steven, James Karinczak, they both lend a scoreless inning, and Emmanuel Classe gives up a run in his inning to raise his ERA to a buck 39. That's how good he has been thus far this season. And the Baltimore Orioles have been surprisingly good this season. They wind up taking down the Pittsburgh Pirates by kind of six to three as JT Burbaker. He had a Bruin, a bad start. Three runs surrendered over the course of four innings. You wind up having from there Eric Stout. Now looks so Stout giving up two runs in his inning of work. J.C. Young winds up giving up just one run in two innings. And Dwayne Underwood Jr., a scoreless inning. Oniel Cruz wound up having the big fly of the game in this one. Ninth home run season. That comes off of Austin Voth, who's really become a solid starter. For the Orioles, he has been stretched out. Three runs of fewer surrendered in every one of his starts now for the Baltimore Orioles as he does wind up giving up three runs over the course of five innings, but not bad considering I believe that this was start number eight for him. From there, Keegan Aiken, Joey Kreeble, both give you a scoreless setting, and Nick Vespi and Dylan Tate combined to be able to lend two scoreless settings and the Orioles at 56-51, and 51, they find themselves right in the thick of the wild card on one game back of the Seattle Mariners right now. So that is quite the story. And what else is a story to take a look at? Totals in Major League Baseball thus far this season as we did wind up seeing quite a few overs that wound up being able to cash on Saturday. But with that said, unders have been ruling the day over the last three days. 179 unders, 174 overs over the last three days. That is right around 50.5% to the under 
Favorites, they've been able to do relatively solid work here in the last three days as well. 222 and 144, but among these home favorites that are 145 and 84, that's a 63.3% clip, by the way. Among those 144, 46 instances in which home favorite has one by one run to not cover the run line, and we've really been seeing that all season long as we have seen 609 home favorites wind up winning outright, but now 192 fail to cover the run line, so always be cautious when you wind up taking a home favorite on the run line, and overall this season, 786 unders to 738 overs, that is 51.6% to the under and favorites overall, hitting at a 59.7% clip, 954 and 645, so that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's take a look at these great divisional races and take a little bit of a look at the futures market and what teams wind up really being able to upgrade themselves at the trade deadline. We're going to be talking about that and so much more with our good friend Ben Wilson of Beeson next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, hey stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's he going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast and got a tremendous guest on. It's Ben Wilson. Does a great job over here at Beeson. You're able to hear him on our show, Primetime Action, as he's been doing that mainly towards the beginning part of the week. You see him mostly Monday and Tuesday with that regard. Does great work with the Beeson Bet Center. And for those of you guys that love gentlemen that do play-by-play work, Ben Wilson is one of the best in the business. I know that he did a lot in terms of more of the West Coast basketball over here during the college basketball season. A little bit of work over there at Fox Sports 1. He's done a little bit of indoor football as well. So this man checks all the boxes. And to be able to follow him on Twitter, you're able to do so at Ben underscore Wilson, then an underscore, and then the number one. And Ben, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Oh, of course, Greg. Best intro man in the business. It has been a very busy summer, but I'm actually going to be back in our lovely home state, uh, Wisconsin, in about a week or so. So that will be some much-needed time off, kind of like, I mean, the Brewers, you know, if only they could get some time off, too. It's uh, Unfortunately, that is not really how it works, though, when you have a 162-game season. So need some sort of a spark there for our uh, home team in Milwaukee. Yeah, they certainly do. And we wound up seeing the reasoning for the trade of Josh Hader a couple days ago. Apparently, it had to do with the fact that they picked up Trevor Rosenthal just before the deadline as well. And I just take a look at this Brewers team, and while the St. Louis Cardinals got better at the deadline, picking up Jordan Montgomery, they wind up picking up Jose Quintana as well. They needed a little bit of back-end starting pitching. They certainly were able to get that. And the Brewers, just shockingly to me, they didn't pick up a single bat at the deadline. They traded away Josh Hader, and their other big move was picking up Matt Bush, who in his first two appearances against the Pittsburgh Pirates wound up being a big reason why they wound up blowing both of those games. And I just take a look right now at the Brewers, and I certainly do think that they should be able to get the job done against the Cincinnati Reds on Sunday. But I think the Cardinals wind up winning this division as a result of what we wound up seeing over the last seven days. It's funny how everybody is going to react one way or another, mostly negatively, to the Josh Hader <laughs> trade. And 
you look at the returns they've got so far, Matt Bush and then Jake McGee too. It's not exactly been a banner start for either of those guys. But one thing I still think about, at least with St. Louis, I, I do feel like if you have a ticket, I mean, I have a, a ticket on Milwaukee to win the NL Central before the year. I would say the Brewers did dodge a pretty big bullet where you look at what the Cardinals actually had to offer in the Juan Soto sweepstakes, essentially. I mean, they had the best package, Greg. Like You're in a position where you could give up, you have three legitimate young under-team control major league players when you look at the guys that were on offer and Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, and then a couple other prospects that they could have thrown in there as well. As much as it's weird to say, all right, well, it's it's three established big leaguers, you, you kind of hesitate giving that up. I mean, Juan Soto, as we have come to know, and you look at the advanced numbers, even in a down year like this, where he's still well over 100 WRC+, plus, he's the by far the most valuable asset Outside of really Shohei Otani, essentially, and you know, and he's going to he's going to earn his half billion dollar contract whenever that is given to him at the end of the season, whether that's San Diego or whether that is somebody else. Presumably, you would think with the Padres, but that to me was a huge opportunity for St. Louis, and I get that it's tough to say goodbye to three guys, especially. And it sounded, for, for all intents and purposes, like Carlson was the guy that they were unwilling to move. And yeah, look, really nice player, bright future ahead of him, but. If I'm St. Louis, I don't know how you don't do that deal when you know you were in the pole position going into it. So I think in a sense, I mean, Milwaukee did catch a pretty big break. You know, the other tertiary pieces there, the deadline, getting Montgomery, getting Quintana, really, really solid, I I would say, for St. Louis because they realized they needed to bolster up the pitching depth. I still will wonder just with the extreme home road splits of Adam Wainwright – how long that is going to last? I think Wainwright, if I'm not mistaken, pitches uh, pitches here on Sunday against the Yankees, and that's a, I mean, a fascinating spot. You have Wainwright going, and then you have Frankie Montas making his Yankee debut. So I still have some question marks about St. Louis. Both the Cardinals and Brewers have a bottom five strength of schedule. They have a lot of easy teams still to go here. I mean, if you ask anybody what the identity of these teams are, it's essentially streakiness and. Each team has different strengths and different weaknesses, but at the bottom line, they both get hot and then they get cold. It's kind of been like a guessing game trying to figure out when those actual stretches will be. So I would still give the Brewers a very, very slight lean in the NL Central, but I certainly don't feel great about the ticket I have, you know, laying a seventy preseason. And obviously the fact that entering this weekend, you know, they're all tied up there in the standings. Would have definitely liked to see the Brewers have done more, especially, like you say, getting a bat would have been probably beneficial for a team that does run very hot and cold at the plate with their bats but I still if I'm St. Louis you even though it looks good right now and you come off the good series win against the Cubs I just wonder like you could have really swung for the fences there with with the Soto sweepstakes and to me they come up short probably are still going to be a playoff team but that's kind of a question Greg that it's hard to really know what the answer or what the right choice would have been now because we never know with this stuff but that is one of those decisions that I think could depending on how things play out over the next couple of years be one of those we look back on and say, wow, St. Louis, they had a really, really big chance to be a dominant force in the NL Central, and they, they, you know, they, they let that chance go by. It's going to be so interesting because you could take a look at one of two ways. If Juan Soto winds becoming a little bit more injury-prone, because obviously he has been out there every single game throughout his career, if that winds popping up or if he doesn't wind up producing in San Diego, you can look at the Cardinals and call them geniuses. And then if Soto winds up being able to tear it up, the Padres make a World Series run this season and not so much a chance of Wainwright. Buck 79 ERA at home, 443 ERA on the road as it will be Montas versus Wainwright in that one as joining me on the podcast. We do have Ben Wilson, does a great job over here at Vison. And you mentioned Juan Soto, so let's dive into that team that did wind up training for him. The San Diego Padres says, we're going to have you Darvish and Tim and Tyler Anderson going at it on Sunday. And I do take a look at the Padres and they were the team that wound up going all in 
when it came to the trade deadline. But I still look at the Padres, and despite the fact that they wind up getting Juan Soto, despite the fact that they do wind up getting in as well Brandon Drury, they did have to trade away Eric Osmer. They did have to trade away Luke Voigt. And with the Padres, my biggest fear with this team is that Sean Manea and Blake Snell have not necessarily been up to form thus far this season. Snell's looked a little bit better here in the last month, but I still think that with the Padres, they don't have enough firepower to, I mean, forget about the LA Dodgers are getting past them. I still don't know if they would have enough to get past a team like the Mets or the Braves out there in the East. No, I tend to agree with you. It's funny because on the one hand, I've really been a big fan of this Padre team all year, and it, it really was just based on their massive upgrade at manager, and I don't know that the books really baked that in enough where you think about how awful Jace Tingler was for them a season ago and how, I mean, remember, at this time last year, I mean, San Diego was comfortably in the playoffs. Like, it wasn't even a, a question. You figured, okay, probably a wild card with how good the Giants and Dodgers are playing, but I mean, they were comfortably in and then just completely fall off the map the last months of the season essentially last year who's to say i mean with essentially the same cast and the same amount of talent plus a couple of massive upgrades soto being the big one and who's to say this team isn't capable of of getting on an equal heater on the complete flip side of the struggles and the the absolute uh, disaster that it was the back end of last year i still to a degree believe in san diego i feel like they're a really legit uh, playoff team but having said all that i think what you say and you compare where they're at with the rest of the NL. I mean, there's no question the NL is as deep as it's been in a really, really long time where I still think they probably went from the fourth best team in the NL to the fourth best team in the NL. And the issue you start getting into when you look at some of the futures, it's just we did our five favorite power rankings on primetime action last week of World Series bets. And and San Diego at 22 to 1 was one of my five. But now, you know, that's not the case. It gets cut in half, even lower than that in some spots. You're now in a position where you're going to ask them to likely go to either Atlanta or New York in a best of three without home field. And that's just to get out of the wild card, the way the the playoff picture is set up. If the standings were to hold, you'd likely see them as the five seed. And whoever loses that Braves-Mets race is going to be the four, most likely. So it is an interesting situation where obviously you can't have any qualms about what they did. And you know the talent's there and you have a legit manager with postseason experience in Bob Melvin but nothing is guaranteed about that NL run and the belief now where like I don't see much value at least futures wides in in the NL because you can make a case for everyone in my personal power rankings you know all 30 teams I have Houston number one and then two through five I have the four NL teams like I really believe in like Dodgers two Mets Braves three four and San Diego five Yankees I realize is kind of a a separate conversation and some people will, will take issue with that but that to me Greg is just how deep this NL is right now and I mean, San Diego is a legit team, and they still might get bounced in round one. That's a totally you know, conceivable outcome. Okay, I cannot let this one wind up going by. You have the Yankees outside of the top five in terms of your power rankings. You're going to need to give me an explanation on this <laughs> one because I, mean, I do recognize that the Yankees have seen some regression when it comes to the bullpen. Clay Holmes no longer has that sub-1 ERA or anything like that. But this team outside the top five, I need the reasoning. It's a totally fair question. I'm probably one of the only people who's in that boat. It's really not much of a recency bias thing. It's more, I think of this, it's not necessarily in the, you know, the standard day-to-day of you know, who do I power rate higher. Just like on a you know day to day MLB handicapping perspective, I'm more looking at like a postseason series where I just worry about their starting rotation in general. And yes, there's adding Frankie Montas a huge help when outside of Garrett Cole, who has been super inconsistent and just got absolutely lit up in his last start against the Mariners. Outside of Cole, I don't really know who you could really trust. And you know, in, in signing Frankie Montas is great, but I have to imagine they're going to have to ride him really, really hard in the postseason. 
I mean, as good as Nestor Cortez has been, the regression signs have been there all year, and he's essentially a first-year full-rotation guy who's never been there in October. You have these other pieces. You traded away Jordan Montgomery, who I kind of liked. I mean, we just talked about how nice of a pickup that was for St. Louis, but you have guys like Jamison Tyone, who's been super inconsistent to me. He's more of like a fourth or a fifth starter at this point. And so you kind of go down the board with them and a couple other pieces who have been injured and in and out of the lineup. And it's hard to really trust those guys going forward. So I more look at it, Greg, as a situation where if you're thinking about playoff series specifically, it all to me starts with the pitching. We know the hitting, it comes and goes. And for as great as they are on offense and the underlying stats all back this up, it's not like there's that much regression coming for them either, even though they've had a little bit of it here in the past month or so. I just worry about the ability of that to sustain itself down the stretch. And so I'll take those other five teams who have who have better top-end pitching. Do the lineups necessarily match up? No, but I always will trust that that top-end pitching. And that's kind of what I look at in those other five teams right above them. I still expect the Yankees to be in the ALCS against a Houston. That's certainly my thought, and it would be them in the Final Four. But that's just kind of my personal thought. I, you know, I just really wonder what you're going to get after those first two and how that will end up developing. It'll be a really interesting final month just to see who's in form, who Aaron Boone trusts down the stretch, because that to me is the biggest thing that the Yankees have to figure out pitching-wise heading into October here. I do think that they do have some pitching questions, and then on top of that, as we know, out there on the East Coast, it winds up getting a little bit cooler. Aaron Judge has been amazing this year. Anthony Rizzo has been amazing. Do the deep balls, the ones that are going yard right now here in July and August, do those wind up dying at the warning track when it comes late September, early October? It is a good question to ask. I do think that the Yankees still going to be rock solid. I think that is they and the Astros out there in the American League. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Ben Wilson. Then everyone else is just a country mile behind. We talk about the National League and how those top four teams you got some relatively good competition there. It's relatively competitive. I just take a look at the American League, and if a team other than the Astros and the Yankees represents in the World Series, I'd be much more surprised than if, say, we wind up getting a team outside of the top two in the National League wind up being able to represent just because I take a look at that American League, and it feels like it's those two teams, and then everyone else is just fighting for third. I totally agree with you on that. And I, I mean, if you look at the NL, it really wouldn't surprise me if, I mean, Philadelphia, who's fighting right now for one of the final wild card spots we saw how great of a deadline they had and we kind of just forgot about them and wrote them off just because of how far they are in that nl east race but when you think about the pieces they added no it's Syndergaard. that's not really why i think they had a good deadline that doesn't really do it for me but when you look at both pitching and hitting and you're able to bolster a couple of different parts of your overall day-to-day lineup and you bake in the potential return Bryce Harper. That's a team I can't necessarily write off down the stretch. And they've had, they've had so many good bullpen arms. It's just been a matter of finding the right order and the right pieces. I still think Sir Anthony Dominguez, if they actually trusted him, could be a top five closer in baseball right now. They just, you know, they have not been willing to hand the keys over to him. So yeah, like you could see a world in which a, you know, like a St. Louis finds some consistent pitching and gets hot. We already know the bats are really, really potent for them. A Philadelphia making a run, any of, you know, between Atlanta, the Mets, the Padres, wouldn't be shocked either if any of those teams unseat the Dodgers, Brewers, you know, even if the Brewers hang on and win the Central, I'm not as high on them. I'd probably, you know, put them, give them the smallest chance just because of the general lack of consistency. I don't feel like their baseline is higher than, or really, or really close to any of those other contenders. But when you start rattling off, you know, four or five teams, it's a totally different story than in the AL, where I do agree. And it's not like Toronto has really, is, you know, you, they fire Charlie Montoya and you think, well, maybe they'll get rid of some of the inconsistencies. And it really hasn't changed at all. And I, I think teams like Toronto and like the White Sox, who are 100 games in, right? We know who these teams are. And the reality is, like, those are two teams who 
while they have some really, really bright pieces to them, and obviously Toronto, a much better team overall than Chicago, but they are similar in the fact that they really struggle to find consistent starting pitching, and each of those teams have two to three guys they were really counting on to be top-end bulk starters who just have given them a net zero essentially this year. Those are two teams you're kind of expecting to be right up there with the Houston and with the Yankees. And that's just not the case right now. I mean, Minnesota, for as much as I think the books have been a little unfair, not buying into Minnesota at all this year, but I don't think either of those top two teams are worried about facing Minnesota in a playoff series. Seattle is like the one team, maybe wonder, are they just a year away for, with how young they are? But Seattle is a team I would go out on a limb and honestly put uh, put those them third if I'm power ranking the AL teams. And that's obviously a pretty sizable gap. And they've looked a little bit exposed when they've had these recent series against the Astros. But that kind of tells you when you have so many unreliable teams in that AL race where, yeah, if it's not Houston and the Yankees, it, it, something will have gone crazy. Seattle might be the one team that could potentially pull off some sort of massive upset if that was to be the case here. And Seattle's the one team that went out there and went for it, parading for Luis Castillo. I just still am befuddled that the Blue Jays really didn't wind up getting a starter. They got Mitch White, but, I mean, I guess it's a little bit better than you say, Kikuchi, but... When your standard for being able to be a starting pitcher is Yusei Kikuchi, it's not necessarily the highest bar to clear. So that is going to be a little bit of an issue moving forward for Toronto, in my opinion. And Ben, I know that you're doing an absolutely amazing job taking a look at everything that we're getting right now in baseball. I know that you've been hosting primetime action usually about two to three times a week. You do an amazing job just taking a look at a wide variety of betting markets because I know that along with baseball, you're getting set for what is going to be a tremendous college and pro football season. So both the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, I appreciate the kind words as always. I'm at the Ben underscore Wilson underscore the number one. That will be exciting. I can have a lot of stuff coming up here this fall. As you always know, Greg, it is a great time of year. So excited to get back home, a little time off there in Wisconsin at the Lake House, and then back to Vegas here in mid-August. It'll be time to uh, yeah get right back into the grind of football season and, uh, and wind down here in baseball. Yeah, preseason NFL football is coming our way very, very soon. I'm not going to count the Hall of Fame game since that's pretty much a bonus game for everyone, but with that said, NFL preseason's getting started. I always hate the name Week Zero, but Week Zero of college football, that is going <laughs> to yeah. be here before we wind up knowing it. Please, for the love of Pete, let's call it something else. Opening week, literally like anything other than Week Zero here college football, but with that said, that's going to be fun as well, and Ben does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball, and every time he joins this podcast, always delivers great insights. A big thanks to Ben Wilson for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis out of a game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Ben Wilson aboard. He does an amazing job over here at the network. You've been seeing a lot on primetime action. He does some work over there with betting across America as well. Does absolutely tremendous work when it comes to his play-by-play work as well. So, always great to be able to get him aboard. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis 
and every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore one Going to be going in Las Vegas station order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy, and no double dips today, unlike yesterday. So let's dive in with 901-902 on the betting board to lead things off the Washington Nationals. They throw a face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola hopes to be truly super for the Phillies, and Corey Abbott is on the bump. For Washington, Washington, the biggest underdog that we're going to find on the board. Anywhere between plus 245 and plus 260. Meanwhile, with the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be finding them in between minus 290 and minus 305. And if you're looking at the run line, you only find that minus 145. And your tolerance game is an 8F. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even a minus 105. I was willing to lay up to a minus 145 on the run line, so wouldn't be willing to go really too much further, but here at the minus 145, that is my max. Corey Abbott, actually a very solid start. Last time out against the New York Mets, winds up giving up just two hits over the course of five innings, five scoreless innings, and got the W. I don't think that he's going to be able to quite duplicate that. Doesn't have too bad a stuff. He they wind up giving up a pair of walks in that start, and if you take a look at him at the AAA level, the command isn't horrible. He's not a guy that gets a lot of swings and misses on them for Aaron Nola. All throughout his career, he's actually been significantly better at home rather than on the road, except for this year. 448 home ERA compared to a 224 ERA on the road. A lot of this has to come back to the deep ball. 11 home runs given up in 62 and a third innings at home. Four bombs in 76 and a third innings on the road. I do think that that is going to even out on both sides. Noah, amazing at not giving out walks, right around 1.3 to 1.4 walks per nine innings. He's backed up by a Phillies team that they did a good job of getting to our good friend Patrick Corbin yesterday. And on the flip side for Washington, you do have Luke Voigt, who has been able to slug out 14 home runs thus far this season. And a lot of guys in this lineup, in between about a 230 to 240, Michael Franco, Voigt, who I mentioned earlier, Nelson Cruz, Victor Robles, Cesar Hernandez, all in that fold lane. Thomas is sitting more like a 240. Keep it a Right around 245, so due to the self, you don't necessarily have a lot there. Meanwhile, for the Phillies, Kyle Schwarber, not hitting for average, but he's been able to give the team north of 30 home runs. A lot of guys like Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins, JT Remuto, in between about a 252 to 265. Hoskins, he's done a nice job. He's been able to slug out 23 home runs. You've been able to get a little bit more from the bottom of the fold as well because Gene Segura, he's out back for the team. D.D. Gregorius has had a little bit of a rough season, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, been very impressed by the bullpen. Corey Knable, Brad Ann, these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job. Knable probably not going to be available for this game. He used up 28 pitches yesterday, but Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be in for the Nationals. Because he wound up getting just one inning out of Patrick Corbin yesterday. Guys like Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., Andres Machado, Hunter Harvey, your trustworthy guys. They all wound up getting used up now for the Washington Nationals. Like average bullpen over the last 45 days in terms of ERA. Phillies, they rank in the top five. In this time span, I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to dominate this one. I just don't think that the Nationals are going to be able to muster up a lot of offense. I do think that Abbott actually going to be halfway decent himself, but just a case in which if he winds up giving up three runs over the course of six innings, I don't know if his team is going to be able to score one to be able to help out with this run line. Semi total is 7.3, looking under, and I'm going to be taking the Phillies, laying up to minus 145 on the run line. 903, 904 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're under the road. 
They're going to be facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers as Corbin Burns is going to be going for the Brew Crew. And you've got Graham Ashcraft who's going to be going for the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds, they themselves are finding themselves pretty sizable underdogs as you're going to be getting them anywhere between a 220 to a 235. Meanwhile, on the Brew Crew, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 260 and a minus 275 if you're looking at the run line. Find that anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. 7.5 is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. And I did wind up saying my total at some point six. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. And I was willing to go up to a minus 135 with the Milwaukee Brewers. So I am going to be taking a look at the run line for Ashcraft. We have seen some regression for him. And for Ashcraft, it's a thing where he doesn't wind up giving up a lot of walks. He just doesn't wind up getting that good swing and miss stuff that he needs to really be able to wind up going and just dominating the game. He's only been getting right around 5.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Meanwhile, Corbin Burns a little bit over 11 punch outs per nine innings. Now, with Corbin Burns, he's actually been better on the road than at home. 201 road ERA compared to a 294 at home. And at home, he has given up 10 out of his 15 home runs with pitching only five more innings at home thus far this season. And for Graham Ashcraft, overall, a 412 ERA has actually been very serviceable for the Reds. 496 road ERA compared to a 346 at home. Not necessarily giving up a lot of the deep ball himself. Less than a home run per nine innings surrender, but this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that they've been able to do a good job of getting to the Reds all season long. They have put up at least three runs in every one of their games, I believe, this season. The Reds have scored at least three runs at all but one of their games against the Milwaukee Brewers this campaign, so these teams have been able to do a great job of being able to put bat to ball and for the Reds, even with this off, you still have some pretty formidable bats as Kyle Farmer, Nick Senzel, Jonathan India along with Albert Tamara Jr. I'm between about a 239 to a 250 with India hitting above a 300 over the last three days. Joey Votto, he's starting to find it as well. He's been a little bit off and on injured this season, 340 on base. He winds going deep yesterday, and for Votto, over the last three days, he's been able to supply five home runs over the course of about 75 at-bats, 360 on base. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy Tellez, along with William Thomas, both of these gentlemen have been able to supply 21-plus home runs. Been able to have a lot of guys be able to pick it up with regards to average as well. Mark Bradasso is hitting about a 280. Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, along with Andrew McCutcheon. They're in between about a 253 to a 265. On top of that, Hunter Renfro, he's been able to give you right around 245 average. He's been able to do a nice job, be able to crank out a home run every 14 or so at best for the Brewers. Bullpen has been very much an albatross for this team. Hobie Milner wound up getting used up yesterday. He and Brian Boxberger, sub-3 ERAs. Devin Williams has been very solid. He's given up zero runs and 31 out of his last 32 appearances. And for the Cincinnati Reds, they did wind up having to dive into their bullpen yesterday. Alexis Diaz got used up for 21 pitches. And then when you wind up getting into Hunter Strickland, Buck Farmer, Revier, Sam Martin, Luis Sessa, all these guys have north of a five-year. That's not necessarily too terrific. So I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball. Even if Ashcraft winds up lending five solid innings, you still have to avoid the landmines of that bullpen, which is why I do like this total over. The Brewers and the Reds, they've been going over all season long. I don't think that this is going to be any different. And with the Brewers, one layup to a minus 135 on the run line. So seeing this between minus 120 to a minus 125, I'm willing to ride that run line to go along with this total over. As we go 905-906 on the betting board, it is the Miami Marlins. They are on the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs as Adrian Sampson is going to be going for the Cubs and Asus Lizardo is going to be going for Miami. As I do this right now, we are just seeing totals come onto the board circa. Typically the first to post up totals in Wrigley Field because by the time the wind dictates the total that you wind up seeing in Wrigley Field and right now they are posting up an 8 with the over having juice of a minus 115, the under is a minus 105 and 
It is a relative pick game. Cubs, and between minus 110 to minus 115 favorites. And between plus 105 and minus 105, your price on the Miami Marlins. And with the Marlins, I set them as a plus 134 underdog just because this is a team that they are generating no offense whatsoever. They've got one run in two games thus far in the series. And for the Marlins, they've been getting good pitching. I mean, the bullpen, it certainly takes a little bit of a setback with Anthony Bass. Uh, the fold, you do have Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, both of these guys posting up right around a four-ish ERA. It's been nothing great and nothing terrible. And for late, Asus Lazardo, since coming off the injured list, hasn't necessarily been a big sample size for him overall for the season. As we able to get swings and misses, he's been able to give you a little bit over 11 punch-outs per nine innings. You take a look at the outings that he said since coming off the injured list, really only one, giving up five runs, four of which were earned in four and a third innings. I think that that is just the case for him. Shaking off the rust and overall this season, a 3.86 ERA on the road, giving up three home runs in 18 and two thirds innings. But looks like the wind is going to be blowing in right around eight or so miles per hour, give or take. Probably going to vary a tad, but looks like the wind is going to be blowing in and regularly that should be able to help both he and Adrian Sampson out. Sampson, ever since he's come over to the Cubs, has an ERA that's barely above three in two seasons. He's got a 3.45 home ERA thus far this season, giving up two home runs in 28 and two thirds innings. Very much a pitcher contact guy. He's been getting right in the neighborhood about six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate has been tremendous. He's only been able to give up right around two walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Lazardo, a little bit over four. So you could wind up seeing a little bit more of the Miami Marlins bullpen. But I mean, the real worry that you've got. Mentioned it a little bit earlier. This lineup in general is Miguel Roas along with Jesus Aguirre, maybe between about a 235 to a 240, and been able to have a young gun in Charles LeBlanc be able to step up. He's hitting well above 300. Very small sample size, though. They get back here at Cooper. He's hitting right around 275, but you really don't have anyone other than Jesus Aguirre currently in the fold because you've got so many injuries with Ode Soler, Lanchez, Chisholm, and company hitting a double digit amount of homers for the Chicago Cubs. It's not like they've got tremendous power, but you've got Wilson Contreras along with Patrick Wisdom being able to combine for 35 home runs as far as the season. P.J. Higgins has done a nice job to be able to move the line as he, Ian App, Contreras, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, all inning with between a 355 to a 365 on base. Nico Horner has been able to hit a 300 as well for the Cubs. A little bit of a new look bullpen for the team, but they got a good start out of Drew Smiley yesterday, so a lot of these guys are going to be well-rested. Eric Yulman is going to be someone that they're going to be looking to for innings moving forward. Not necessarily a guy that I'm overly impressed with, but Brandon Hughes has been able to do the job. Anderson Espinosa has been able to give you right around three ish ERA. So I think that you're in for a very low scoring game with the wind blowing in at Wrigley. I did wind up saying the Cubs minus 134 favorites. I do like the way that Samson has been able to pitch since he's gotten to Chicago. So going to be looking at the Cubs on the money line, and I'm going to be taking a look at the eight that we're currently seeing under. So mine at a 6.8. So even up to a seven. I'm willing to look at an under 907-908 on the bank board. The San Diego Padres at the road faceoff against the LA Dodgers. Tyler Anderson is going to be going for the Dodgers and you Darvish is on the bump for the Padres. Padres anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120 underdogs. Between minus 130 and minus 135 your price on the Dodgers. Total on this game is 8.5. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 and when it comes to this total, I did wind up sending it at a 7.8. Been very impressed by what we've seen out of Anderson this season, and Hugh Darvish certainly does have demonstrative home and road splits. Ever since he has gotten to San Diego, his ERA on the road is about two points higher than it is when he's at home. At home, he has been a machine, but this is also Sunday Night Baseball. We've seen a lot of Sunday Night Baseball games wind up going under the total because it is going to be sort of played in that twilight sort of zone, first pitch, 
right around 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific. When you wind up getting to like 6 o'clock, it's when the sun is starting to set. It does wind up making it a little bit more difficult on a lot of these batters. And for Darvish himself, he's been able to turn things around on the road recently. He has given up three runs of fury in each out of his last five starts overall. Two of those starts were on the road, including a gem, giving up one run in seven innings on the road against the New York Metropolitans. And for Darvish overall this season, 450 road ERA compared to a 217 ERA at home, but has been able to keep the ball in the yard in both environments, giving up less than home run per nine innings, along with fewer than two walks per nine. Opponents are a 214 off of him. He has been rock solid, but for Anderson, this guy has been very good as well. How about 12 wins thus far this season with a 259 ERA at home. Opponents are a 216 off of him when he is at Dodger Stadium, getting less than a home run per nine innings, and the accuracy it has been pinpoint. He has been giving up right around about 1.7 walks per nine innings. The Dodgers certainly do back him up with some very good mashers, as you've got Mookie Betts, who's been able to get this team well over 20 home runs this far this season, being able to right around a 270 as well. Will Smith, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, all between 15 and 18 home runs thus far this season, with Freeman, he's hitting about a 320. Trey Turner, along with Will Smith, between 345 and 365 on bases, but You've got Joey Gallo, Max Muncy, Cody Ballinger, and Austin Barnes all hitting a 210 or lower. Gavin Lux has been solid, and for the San Diego Padres, you've seen quite a few guys in the lineup hitting between, I would say, about a 235 to a 250. Jerickson Profar, Will Myers, Awesome Kim, Austin, Nola, you're able to throw in there Juan Soto as well, which Juan Soto, he, along with Brandon Drury, have been able to give you 21 home runs, but for Soto, it's been a case of which a batting average has been a little bit down this season, and for Manny Machado, he has been able to give this team 19 home runs as far this season, but he had take a look at things over the last three days. He's only been able to hit 230. He's been in a little bit of a funk as well, and for the LA Dodgers, bullpen has been very good with the less than known guys doing a good job. Caleb Ferguson, Yancey Almonte, Evan Phillips, all have sub two ERAs. It's been guys like Craig Kimbrell that have been less than trustworthy. Meanwhile, for the Padres, it's been a little bit touch and go with regards to the bullpen. You do have Josh Hader now out there, but Adrian Motahone has been not necessarily so terrific. You've got someone like a Robert Suarez that it's hard to trust and got right around a three-ish ERA, but it's certainly been a little bit up and down. I do think that Anderson is going to be able to give the Dodgers the upper end now with the Dodgers going into what we wound up seeing yesterday out of their 73 win 65 by multiple runs. I think that this could be one of those games in which it does wind up landing one run because it is Sunday Night Baseball. I was willing to lay up to a minus 148 on the money line on the run line. You are finding it right around about a plus 150 to a plus 155. I need at least a plus 140 to take a shot, but I would rather play it safe here. Take the money line at a semi-total at 7.8, so looking under as well. 909 and 10 on the betting board. Got right Rockies on the road against the ears and the Diamondbacks. Zach Davies is going to be going for the D-backs, and Jose Yarenia hopes to not Yarenia all over the game for Colorado. Nine is your total, over and under, both at minus 110 with Arizona. You're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 152 and minus 160 favorites. And then when it comes to the Rockies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 135 to a plus 145. And I needed at least a plus 153 to take a shot here on the Rockies. I'd be willing to lay up to this minus 150 to minus 152 number. But if you're looking at the run line, you're finding it anywhere between about a plus 120 to a plus 125. I would rather lay a little bit more of a chalky money line here with Arizona. You wound up seeing yesterday's game, wind up landing one run. That one wind up going to the Colorado Rockies, but both of these teams have been a little bit less than trustworthy out there in the bullpen, especially the Colorado Rockies. You take a look at them, and it's not necessarily been too great when you've been able to get out of guys not named Daniel Bard along with Alex Colomay. Both of these guys have sub-3-3 ERAs, but Lucas Gilbreth, Carlos Aceves, guys like this, they have not been able to do a great job. Robert Stevenson has worth of a 5 ERA, and for the Colorado Rockies, they're averaging right around 0.65 home runs per game on the road compared to 1.2 at home, and for the years in the Diamondbacks, 
They average a little bit less at home run per game when they are at home. Meanwhile, on the road, they get right around 1.4. But I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game because you got Jose Ureña, who he wound up having a good first few starts with the Colorado Rockies. Regression is really starting to come in, though. You take a look at him over his last three starts, and he has been able to give the team a combined 12 and a third innings in that time span. He has allowed 18 runs, 14 of which are earned. His walks are not necessarily too terrific as he's giving up more than four walks per nine innings. Actually, more than five walks per nine innings. And his strikeouts per nine rate hovering right around five. Meanwhile, for Zach Davies, he wound up just coming off the injured list in his last start against the Cleveland Guardians. Gave up four runs over the course of two innings prior to that was looking relatively solid. This is going to be his first home start since the month of June. I do think that he's going to be able to bounce back a little bit more against a Colorado Rockies team that I laid out the home run numbers and got guys like a CJ Crone who's hitting a 320 at home, more like a 225 on the road. Randall Grichik below the Mendoza line of a 200 when he's on the road at home. North of a 275, that's going to be a little bit of an issue for them and for Davies. 364 home ERA compared to a 495 ERA on the road. Might not wind up landing a whole bunch of length, but Joe Manta apply has been able to do a nice job out there in the bullpen along Kyle Nelson. Both of these guys have been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. When you wind up getting into guys like Mark Melanson, Noe Ramirez, it's not necessarily too great. And, well, when it comes to not too great, both of these starters are not either. I do think that you're going to get a relatively high-scoring game. I'm willing to take a look at this 9-over, especially after we wound up seeing a lower-scoring game yesterday. I do think that the Mets are going to awaken in for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Can't trust in their bullpen. Can't trust in that of Colorado either. But I do think that Davies going to lend a better start. So we'll take Arizona on the money line as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves hit the road face off against the New York Mets. Jacob DeGrom is going to be going for the Mets. And Spencer Strider is going to be going for Atlanta. Atlanta is between a plus 120 to a plus 132 underdog. Mets are anywhere between minus 135 and minus 142 favorites. Tolan's game is anywhere between 6.5 and, and 7 on the 6.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 7. Under is minus 120. The over is even. I did mind saying my total a 6.8. I'm looking at the under, but I'm going to look to fade Jacob DeGrom here. I needed at least a plus 122 to be able to take a shot on Atlanta. And for DeGrom, he wound up going right around 60 pitches in his last outing against Washington Nationals. He still probably won't have necessarily a full workload here. I think that they're going to let him go quite a bit more than they did in start number one, but could be one of those cases where 80, 85 pitches, that winds up being his limit. Now, Jacob Grom did wind up looking very good in his first start against the Washington Nationals. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Wasn't necessarily his fault that they wound up taking the L, but I mean, we've just seen it for so many years. I know that Buck Showalter, a little bit of a different manager here, but this team just does not score for Jacob Grom. Meanwhile, for Spencer Strider, this guy's been tremendous. The team is 3-1 in his last four starts. He has given up one run or fewer in four out of his last five starts. And as a matter of fact, he'll be able to data back a little bit more. In six out of his last seven starts, he has given up one run or fewer. For Strider, the big thing has been being able to limit the walks a little bit because overall for the season, he has been giving up right around 3.4-ish walks per nine innings. And you take a look at his last five starts, his walks per nine rate hovering more around at three, so he's been able to do a good job there. Hasn't given up the deep ball a lot. Five home runs, give it up at 87 innings. That is rock solid as well. His strikeout number is absolutely off the charts. As 
He is getting north of 13 and a half strikeouts for nine innings and backed up by a relatively solid bullpen as well as they've got A.J. Minter who's been able to do a nice job all season long. Tyler Mazik, he did wind up getting used up yesterday and do have an Atlanta Braves bullpen that they did wind up having to dive deep into it yesterday. The Mets, they've had to go into their bullpen the last few days as well. Edwin Diaz has been a very dominant closer for the Mets. Wound up throwing fewer than 12 pitches yesterday. Got to figure that he's going to be able to come back in this one. Seth Lugo has been a little bit touch and go. Adam Vino has been solid in them for the Mets. The lineup hasn't been very solid as I believe that every single game in this four-game set thus far, it has wound up going over the total. As Pete Alonso, he's been able to slug him out. 29 home runs for him. He's sitting in the neighborhood about a 285. And then on top of that, you've got Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, Marcana, all these guys in between about a 263 to a 270. Starling Marte, he's been hitting nearly a 300 as well. Both side for Atlanta, though. How about how impressive Austin Riley has been? He's been able to give the team 29 bombs, hitting north of a 295 thus far this season. And he was starting to pick it up a little bit more. He had a home run on Friday and then got guys towards the bottom of the fold like a Michael Harris the second dance Swanson hanging right around 290 for this bunch so these guys have been able to do a very good job for this Atlanta Braves team I do think that it is going to be a relatively tight game I did wind up saying my total at a 6.8 I would rather have a 7 under rather than a 6 half over personally so we're going to be taking a look to see where this winds up going this open up at a 7 if we wind up getting down to a 6 half that's just a case of which we wind up getting a little bit too low so wind up saying my total is 6.8 so depends upon your number there but with the Atlanta Braves getting anything north of a plus 122 which I am seeing across the board could be willing to take a shot there 913 914 on the bank board the Houston Astros at the road face off against the Cleveland Guardians Tristan McKenzie is going to be going for the Guardians and Christian Javier is going to be going for Houston Houston is a favorite anywhere between minus 140 and minus 142. Meanwhile, Cleveland between plus 120 and plus 130 underdogs. 8-8.5 is your total on the 8. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is between even and minus 105. On the 8.5, under is minus 120. The over is even. This is going to be the Peacock game, by the way. 9.05 a.m. Pacific first pitch, and this is a spot where I do think that the bats are going to be a little bit sleepy. So my total is 7.7, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under with the Guardians. I needed at least a plus 125 to be able to take a shot, and we have certainly been able to get there with Christian Javier. Last few starts have not necessarily been tremendous for him. Now, swing and miss stuff, it is no doubt there. He has been able to give the team right around 12.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but the walks are the big thing with him. He gives up just below 3.5 walks per nine innings. and hasn't necessarily been the same on the road. 4.15 road ERA compared to a 2.60 ERA at home now. At home, he has given up 8 out of his 12 home runs as far this season, but he's also pitched more innings when he has been at home as well. And he's got a 4.12 ERA over his last four starts. Hasn't necessarily been able to lend a lot of length going 19 and two-thirds innings in those four starts. Meanwhile, for Tristan McKenzie, he had a little bit of a problem with command last season. This season, he's been able to do a much better job of being able to go deep into games because he's been giving up only about 2.4 walks per nine innings for McKenzie. He's got a 332 home ERA compared to a 340 on the road, so he's been relatively consistent. The big thing for him, much like many of these Cleveland Guardians pitchers, he's not giving up the deep ball at home. One home run per nine innings surrendered when he's at home, along with that right around 2.6 walks per nine innings. And opponents overall hitting just a 204 off of them with the Guardians. You've got so many guys that they do a great job of getting on base now. The problem that you've got with the Guardians is that they're having right around 0.6 home runs per game when they're at home. That is one of the lowest marks you're going to find out there in the big leagues. But you've got Andres Jimenez, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Amit Rosario, Josh Naylor. 
owing at least a 274 for this punch. Ramirez has really been the master. 21 home runs, 87 RBI. He has been able to do an incredible job there, but Josh Chandler has been able to provide 14 home runs for this team. That has been a very welcome sight. Flip side for the Houston Astros, a pickup Christian Vasquez. That winds up helping out their offense very much. Still, Alamendi's Diaz, his batting average over the last three days has been north of 300, so he's been able to show some signs of life. Jordan Alvarez, he's got 30 home runs. He's got a 410 on base. Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Tucker, who's been out for the last few days. Both have 19 home runs. Trey Bubba Mancini, three home runs already in a Houston Astros uniform. And both of these bullpens have been very good for the Guardians. Emmanuel Classe, just an absolutely nasty closer for this bunch. He did wind up getting used up yesterday. Could conceivably come back today. Nick Samlin has been very good for this Guardians team as well, posting up a sub-3 ERA, Trevor Steven as well. And then for the Houston Astros, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez, Ryan Stanek, all been able to provide a sub-270 ERA. Brian Presley has been very good for this bunch as well. So I do think that you're in for a relatively low-scoring game in this one. Being able to get north of a plus-125 in this spot, going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Guardians go along with this total under as we go 9-15, 9-16. The Detroit Tigers play host to the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Rasmussen is going to be going for the Rays, and Matt Manning is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is a sizable underdog, anywhere between plus 154 and plus 159, and between minus 175 and minus 165, your price on Tampa Bay. Eight is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 115. With the race, I was willing to lay up to a minus 163 with them. If you take a look at the run line, and between about a minus 112 to a minus 115, I needed to be getting plus 105 to 110-ish to be able to take a shot here. I was honestly willing to lay up to a minus 105 with the Tigers, which that's what we're finding right now, and that's where I'm right now looking. Getting a run and a half with the Detroit Tigers because their bullpen has been so good thus far this season, and got to figure that you're going to be seeing quite a bit of it. Matt Manning right now having his second start since the beginning of the month of April, so it's been quite a while from first start out against the Minnesota Twins, winds up giving up three runs over the course of five innings on the road. Team was able to get the job done, and they were able to get the win in that one. He's never necessarily been too much of a strikeout guy in his year-plus at the big league level. His walks rate has been a little bit better, and you take a look at what he wound up doing at home last season. He was significantly better in Detroit rather than on the road. He already fell by a full point and a half when he was at home. Now, big issue with him was that he was having a little bit of a tough time with command at the minor league level while he was rehabbing. Looked a little bit better on that front. Meanwhile, for Drew Rasmussen, nothing great, nothing terrible with him. 306 ERA on the road this far this season. A 412 ERA compared to a 201 at home, so that's a little bit of an issue, but in terms of home runs per nine right, he's given up right around one home run per nine inning, so has been able to do a nice job keeping things in the yard. Opponents are getting about a 245 off of them. The issue that you've got with the Tampa Bay Rays is that they just haven't been able to generate a lot of offense. I mean, you're even able to go back to yesterday. Just one run, Isaac Paredes, his 14 home runs. That currently leads the way, but he, Roman Quinn, Luke Rayleigh, Jose Siri, Tyler Walls, Yu Chang, all inning a 222 or lower. Brandon Lau, G-Man Choi, along David Peralta, only between about a 250 to a 255. But, I mean, really, other than Yandy Diaz, who wanted missing the game yesterday, you don't have anyone that's hitting above a 255 for this bunch. Meanwhile, for Detroit, I mean, shall we go down the list of names of guys that are currently not doing such a great job? Javi Baez, he avoids this list. He's now hitting a 225, but Akil Badu, Cody Clemens, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, all these guys running a 215 or lower. Spencer Torkelson is out at the AAA level. They shipped off Robbie Grossman, so that's not been too terrific, and you don't have a single guy for the team. 
that has more than 10 home runs, but for the Detroit Tigers, but able to get some good bullpen pitching. You did have Michael Fulmer get traded away at the deadline, but with that said, Will Vest, Gregory Soto, both of these guys have been able to do a solid job. Andrew Trafin, he's got right around 225 ERA in the Tampa Bay Rays. They know how to maneuver a bullpen as well as you've had Jason Adam be able to post a sub-150 ERA P Fairbanks. He has now been able to return to the fold for the team as he's working his way back. Jalen Beeks has been able to be a solid multi-inning guy for the team. Brooks Raley, Colin Pooch, all these guys have a sub-3-5 ERA sub. I do think that you're in for a relatively low-scoring game. I am going to be looking to take a run in F here with the Detroit Tigers because I do think that it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Some I tell at 7.9, so looking under and taking a run in F with the Detroit Tigers. Don't necessarily want them outright. Needed at least a plus 163 to take a shot there, but I see a little bit of an edge getting a run in F here. 9-17, on the bang board. The Kansas City Royals play OC Boston Red Sox. Gunnar Crawford is going to be going for the Sox, and Brad Keller is going to be on the bump for Kansas City. Royals are finding themselves underdogs of anywhere between plus 118 and plus 125. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Boston, going to be laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 149 and a half is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with Boston, I did wind up making them a favorite of minus 116 in the spot. So being able to get plus 125-ish like I'm seeing at most books, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Kansas City Royals. When it comes to this Royals bunch, Brad Keller just always keeps the ball in the yard for them. Overall for the season, Keller's home runs per nine rate below one. He has been having a little bit of an issue with the walk, still giving up right around 3.3 walks per nine innings. That's actually down for past years, but has done his best work at home. Doesn't deserve the record that he's currently got at a 5-12 and 12 as his home area right around at 394. He's been giving up five home runs to 61 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home. Opponents overall, they are hitting about a 262 off of him, and you do have a Red Sox team that they do a good job of being able to put back to ball as you've got a pair of guys hitting above a 300 in Xander Bogarts along with Rafael Devers. Devers has been able to slug out north of 21 home runs for this bunch. They did wind up picking up Tommy Pham along with Eric Hosmer at the trade deadline. Hosmer along J.D. Martinez in between about a 270 to a 280 and then you're able to throw in there Christian Arroyo and Alex Verdugo as well but really other than what you're able to get out of Rafael Devers, only other player with a double-digit amount of homers, that's Bobby Dahlbeck as he, Jaron Duran, Kevin Plowecki, these guys are going to get 225 or lower. For the Kansas City Royals, been a little bit out and cold when it comes to this lineup, but you've been able to have MJ Melendez and Salvador Perez both go deep twice in this series as for Perez, he, Vinny Pasquinto, Nick Prado, Nate Eaton, Kyle Isbell, all these guys in a 225 or lower, but Hunter Dozier, he's been able to about a 250 for the scene, Bobby Wood Jr., he's been able to slug out a double-digit amount of homers. He's really been able to pick it up, hitting above a 300 over the last 30 days. And for the Boston Red Sox, bullpen over the last 45 days, it is in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of ERA. And for the Kansas City Royals, this team's bullpen ERA is dead last in the American League thus far this season as Mir Garrett has north of a 5 ERA. Taylor Clark, to his credit, he's really been able to pick it up over the last 45 days, posting up a sub-3 ERA, but you still got Wyatt Mills providing north of a 5 ERA. And for the Red Sox, they had to go through Garrett Woodlock yesterday. That's a little bit of an issue as Darwinson Hernandez has literally a 20 ERA right now. John Schreiber and Eric Houser Salamora have been relatively reliable, but Salamora north of a 5 ERA over the last 30 days. Schreiber a sub-2 ERA, and then you wind up getting into guys like Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier that have not been able to put together very good seasons. I do feel like the Red Sox should have been a slight favorite, but getting right around a plus 125, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on Kansas City. Kansas City's been a little bit cold with their bat. Two runs or fewer scored in now 7 out of their last 12 games, so they wind up saying my total at an 8.8 as well. I've actually been relatively impressed by what I've seen out of Cutter Crawford thus far. Crawford for the season, posting up a 386 ERA. Good swing and miss stuff, getting right around 9.5 strikeouts. 
for nine innings. Big thing for him is that he has been able to do a better job on the road than at home. 430 home ERA, 333 ERA on the road with five out of his six home runs coming at home, but when you wind up turning it over to this bullpen, there's no telling what's going to happen. So, willing to take a shot here on the Royals and the under 919-920 on the main board, the Toronto Blue Jays. They throw it face off against the Minnesota Twins. Chris Archer is going to be going for the Twins, and Kevin Gosman is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto, a between minus 152 and minus 155 favorite, between plus 135 and plus 143 your price on Minnesota. Minnesota and Toronto find the total anywhere between 8 and 8.5 on the 8 overs minus 120. The unders even on the 8.5. The unders minus 120 and the overs even and with the Toronto Blue Jays want to make them minus 168 favorites on the money line if you're taking a look at the run line finding it anywhere between even money and plus 105 was willing to go up to a minus 108 and I'm going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays on the run line because this is a high octane offense has got a guy in Black Girl Jr. that's sitting right around a 285 with 22 plus home runs this season for the Blue Jays. Not a lot of offense generated yesterday against Dylan O'Call and Al Bundy. Wanted going 2 of 13 with men in scoring position. I think that this is a good bounce back spot for them as Alejandro Kirk has been able to have 300 with a 385 on base. Has faded a little bit since the All-Star break, but still doing a solid job as Romeo Tapia, Tasker Hernandez, Bobochet. These guys sitting between about a 260 to a 275. Throwing their Santiago Espinal as well. Who's been able to do a good job of moving the line and Lourdes Gurriel hitting well above 300 at the top of this fold. And then for the Minnesota Twins, You've got quite a few guys getting on base for you. Nick Gordon, Jose Miranda, both of these guys in between about a 275 to a 285. Gilberto Cicino, Carlos Correa, Kyle Garlic. They're hitting in the fold of about a 265 as well. Not a lot of power for the team outside of Byron Buxton, though. Buxton has been able to go deep 26 times, home run every about 12 or so at bats, but he's only been able to hit about a 220 for the team. That said, you've got Jake Cave, who since he's come off the injury list, he's been able to look relatively solid. And for the Minnesota Twins, they did wind up having a really piecemeal things together yesterday with regards to their bullpen, but nobody wanted throwing more than 13 pitches other than Ore Lopez, as you still got Giovanni Morin, who's been able to do a solid job. He and Johan Dern, both of these guys have been able to provide a sub-250 ERA for Dern. Just seven pitches thrown yesterday. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, they themselves had to dive into their bullpen quite a bit, as Tim Meza, Anthony Bass, David Phelps, all these guys had to throw at least 15 pitches yesterday. That is going to be a little bit of an issue for them, but I do think that Kevin Gosman going to be able to go out there and be able to lend a relatively solid start. And by the way, for the Blue Jays, over the last 45 days, top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA, they've been able to turn things around a little bit more. Adam Simber didn't wind up having to throw too many pitches yesterday. That's a positive for the team. And for Gosman, he's been giving up about a half home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is in the neighborhood about 1.7. And for Gosman, he's actually been able to do his best work on the road thus far this season. A 3.06 ERA overall, but that shrinks to a 202 when he's been on the road. He's been a little bit of a victim of bad luck on balls in play. He's still been able to get north of 10 strikeouts for 9 innings. Meanwhile, Chris Archer has not been able to go more than 5 innings all season long, which is where the Minnesota Twins bullpen used from yesterday. Catches up with them, and two starts to go against the Milwaukee Brewers. Wound up giving up 6 runs and 6 walks in 3 innings, and overall, 9 walks in his last 7 and 3rd innings. That's just a big, giant issue. He's giving up nearly 5 walks per 9 innings. Opponents overall, they've been able to hit him relatively solidly. 405 ERAs. His home runs per 9 rate, right in the neighborhood about 1.2. So, going to be willing to lay the run line here with the Blue Jays being able to get anywhere between even money and plus 105 on that. Do mind him saying my total at an 8.3 as well. Kevin Gosman has been far from unfallible, and right now the only 8 that I'm seeing is at DraftKings, so 
with ANS being the only number available to me as I record this, we'll be looking at that under to go along with the Blue Jays on the run line. 921-922 is the DK Nation pick as we've got the Chicago White Sox on the road against the Walker Texas Rangers. Spencer Howard is going to be going for the Rangers and Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox are anywhere between minus 130 to minus 155 favorites. And between plus 130 and plus 137 is your price on Texas. 8.5 is your total. Overs between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 110. And DK Nation pick is going to be on the total. I set my total at a 9.6. I am going to be taking a look at the over with Lucas Giolito. He has given up at least three runs in six out of his last 10 starts. And for Lucas Giolito, he's given up north of a home run and a half per nine innings, giving up right around three and a half walks. Per nine innings, it's been a no good, very bad, terrible year for him. And for Spencer Howard, it's been a no good, very bad, terrible year for him. He's given up right around three and a half walks and 2.9 home runs per nine innings. Spencer Howard, ever since he has come up from the AAA level, he's been a little bit better. But still, I mean, in his last five starts since coming back up, he's still given the team right around about a five-ish ERA. That is far from terrific. You've got a White Sox team that they lead the big leagues in terms of batting average on the road. They were held scoreless yesterday, despite the fact that they were able to get some hits. So I do think that they're going to be able to drive them around a little bit more. Now, the one thing that you fear with the White Sox is that they are in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at-bat and a per-game basis. But you've got Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, and Irvon all in at least a 280 for this bunch. You've been having Luis Robert deal with some lightheadedness and what have you. That's been a little bit of an issue. And then towards the bottom of the fold, guys like Lurie Garcia, Yoan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, a little bit of tough seasons for them, but I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up. And then for the Texas Rangers, you've got a lot of guys that will be able to go yard for this team as Corey Seager has been the main one. He's been able to supply 24 home runs. His batting average hovers right in the neighborhood about a 250. And then you take a look past that, and you've got Nate Lowe, Marcus Simeon, along with Jonah Heim. I'll give me between 13 and 15 home runs. When it comes to Lowe, he's been able to about a 280 for this bunch. Adolis Garcia, Marcus Simeon. Throwing there Jonah Heim as well, in between about a 237 to a 254 for Garcia. He's been able to slug out 18 home runs thus far this season. He has been very good at being able to provide some doubles as well, provided a big base is clear double yesterday as well and for the Texas Rangers team is in the bottom five in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 40 days as we have seen things go very sour for Garrett Richards along Dennis Santana both of these guys providing north of 12 ERAs over the last 40 days Jonathan Hernandez has been relatively solid and Brock Burke Matt Moore both of these guys are able to give you a sub two ERA but on the flip side for the White Sox, really your lone two reliable options have been Liam Hendricks along Kendall Graveman. Both of these guys have been tremendous, and I will give a little bit of credit to Jimmy Lambert. He has stepped up after being a failed starter in the bullpen as well, but we certainly have been noticing quite a few guys like a Tanner Banks not being able to do the job. Joe Kelly saw his north of a 5 ERA as well. Reynaldo Lopez is currently on the injured list, so I do think that White Sox are going to be giving up a fair share of runs for Spencer Howard. I don't think that the turnaround is going to be starting on Sunday for him. I did wind up making the White Sox a minus-138 favor, which I feel is very generous for Lucas Giolito and the way that he has been pitching. And I'm seeing as high as a plus-137. Need about a penny or two adjustment. And we've been seeing the Rangers going up and up and up when it's all said and done. I do anticipate being on the Texas Rangers in the spot. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, 
You're finding that in between about a plus 110 to a plus 115 on the White Sox. Honestly, if anything else, I would almost be willing to take a shot on about a minus 125 to a minus 130 run line of Texas. So pretty sure we're going to be on Texas in this spot unless we wind up seeing a dramatic line move and the DK Nation pick that is going to be on this total over 923, 924 on the betting board. It is the LA Angels on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners. Tucker Davidson is going to be going for the Angels and Monaco Gonzalez is going to be on the bump. For Seattle, it is your total over and under are both at minus 110. And when it comes to the Seattle Mariners, getting them anywhere between minus 155 to a minus 165. And between plus 135 and plus 148 is going to be your price on Los Angeles. For LA, I needed at least a plus 170 to be able to take a shot. This is going to be Tucker Davidson's first start as a member of the LA Angels. And for Davidson, he's someone that I do think has a little bit of upside with him. But has just not been able to see really consistent starts up here at the big league level should be now because, well, the LA Angels, they don't wind up having much else. But for Tucker Davidson at the AAA level this season, it felt like he took a step back. Last year while he was at the minor league level, he was actually halfway decent. This season, 459 ERA across 15 starts, not necessarily in a juice ball league, by the way. And the big thing with Davidson is that he was giving up right around a home run and a half Per nine innings, his walks per nine rate actually did wind up falling a little bit this season to right around at 2.7, but that is a little bit of a worry spot. And whenever Tucker Davidson has been up at the big leagues, he's had a little bit of a command issue in pretty much all of his stops, so that's not great. Meanwhile, you take a look at Marco Gonzalez, and you know, he says wind up having a little bit of an issue with the deep ball for the Seattle Mariners team, and has manifested itself thus far this season as he's given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but typically does a relatively solid job with command. That has not been the case as much this season. He has been giving up right around three walks per nine innings. And for Marco Gonzalez, he has given up at least five runs and now three out of his last four starts. The good news is he's going to be going against an LA Angels team, in which we've seen Taylor Ward along Jared Walsh give 14 home runs, but both of these guys hitting below 200 over the last 30 days. Shoyotani has been able to give the team 24 home runs, but when you've got guys like Max Sassy and company out there throwing their Kurt Suzuki, Andrew Velasquez, David Fletcher, these guys hitting at 220 or lower, that is certainly going to be able to help him out now. When it comes to the fielding independent of Marco Gonzalez, it's a 530 compared to his 395 ERA. He has seen regression come through, and I do think that there's going to be more and more of it to come. And then when it comes to this Angels bullpen, not great. Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapero, both of these guys have posted up an ERA north of a 3-5 thus far this season for the Angels as well. It's been a case which Jose Quijada has been one of your best bullpen pieces. They wound up having to use up quite a few arms in that double dip that we wound up seeing yesterday. And then for the Seattle Mariners, they themselves wound up having to use up guys like Andres Munoz. They've been dealing with an injury to Diego Castillo that winds up hurting them, but Ben Murphy has been able to do a very solid job for the Seattle Mariners all season long. And when it comes to Seattle, their bullpen ERA, best in the big leagues over the last 45 days. I do think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job in this spot. So I am willing to take the Seattle Mariners big question is money line or run line right now we're finding that Mariners run line right around a plus 125 to a plus 130 I think that they are going to be able to get to Tucker Davidson want to lay the run in F semi total at an 8.8 as well so looking over to go along with that run line 925 926 on the betting board the Pittsburgh Pirates are on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles as Spencer Watkins is going to be going for the Orioles and Bryce Wilson is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh nine is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 minus 115 and for Baltimore you're going to be getting them between minus 160 to a minus 170 and when it comes to Pittsburgh going to be finding them 
come any between about a plus 140 to a plus 152 with Baltimore. I did wind up saying them a minus 176 favorite, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well with Bryce Wilson. He's been not great this year, to say the least, but I do feel like he's been getting a little bit unlucky. Very much a pitch of contact guy. He's only going to be able to give you right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's been able to lessen the walks just a little bit, which is going to be absolutely critical for him moving forward because this is, once again, a guy that has not been able to find that very good swing and miss stuff, and he is backed up by a bullpen that all of a sudden has really went cold. They are in the bottom two in the big leagues in terms of VRA over the last 45 days. They did wind up trading away a few pieces at the deadline. You've had David Benar wind up dealing with a little bit of ailment as well. Tyler Beatty along with Will Crow. These are good long guys, but in terms of finding a one-ending option, that's not so great, but to take a look at Wilson, fielding independent is actually a full point lower as compared to his ERA. He's given up 1.6 home runs per nine innings, but has looked a little bit better recently. He's going to be going up against the Baltimore Orioles lineup as well that they did wind up trading away Trey Boomer Mancini at the deadline. With that said, you still do have an Orioles team that they've got bounce. They don't have that one guy that's going to go out there and put the team on his back if they do. It's Anthony Santander who has been able to supply 19 home runs this season, but you just take a look up and down the boulevard. You've got Santander coupled with Ryan Moncastle, Austin the Sayers kid, Ryan McKenna, Adley Rushman, throw in there Cedric Mullins as well. All these guys are in between about a 255 to a 263, and then you've got Ramon Urias, who's been with about a 245. Ore Mateo, 26 on basis. That currently leads the American League, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you just don't have any sort of that firepower right now. It's Yoshi Satsugo, Cal Mitchell, Gregory Allen, O'Neill Cruz, Josh Van Meter, all these guys are in a 200 or lower for the bunch, which is not great. Cruz, more on to 215, and you do have a couple guys that are able to move the line towards the top. Kevin Newman has been able to hit 275, and then got Brian Reynolds, who's been able to slug out 16 home runs thus far this season. He's been able to hit 255. Ben Gamble, Cabrian Ace, both of these guys in between about a 240 to a 250, but certainly not a lot of support for Bryce Wilson out there in that bullpen. And then for Spencer Watkins, he was just deplorable last season. He had north of an 80 ERA. Still has not necessarily been the world's greatest pitcher to this point for the Baltimore Orioles, but he's really been able to lock it in. He has given up one run in approximately four out of his last five starts. The other outlier start, he wanted giving up three runs over the course of five and a third innings, and for that matter, he has given up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts thus far this season. In terms of earned runs, he did wind up having a start in which he wanted giving up a few unearned runs against the Milwaukee Brewers, but I mean, this guy has been so much better this season now. 445 home area compared to a road area right around at 328, but after giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings last season, less than a full home run per nine innings thus far this season, very much a pitcher contact guy. I do think that there might be a little bit of regression here, but going up against the Pittsburgh Pirates team that they don't have a lot of mashers on their lineup, and for Wilson, 535 road ERA compared to a 750 ERA at home, and for Bryce Wilson as well, he's posted up a 380 ERA, giving up nine runs that are earned over the course of 21 and a third innings in his last four starts. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I'm willing to take the nine under, and when it comes to the Orioles, set the minus 175 on the money line. If you're taking a look at this run line, finding it anywhere between about a plus 120 to a plus 125, need at least a plus 110 to be able to take a shot, so going to take the Orioles on the run line to be able to get to this Pirates bullpen and Watkins to be able to hold it down. So looking at the run line of the Orioles, they'll go along with this total under 927-928 on the bang board. The New York Yankees on their facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals as you've got Wayno, Adam Wainwright, who's going to be on the bump for St. Louis, and one Frankie Montas is going to be on the bump 
for the Yankees. The Yankees are favorites of anywhere between minus 122 and minus 135. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the cards, you're going to be getting them between plus 112 and plus 123, and your total on scheme is 8 over and under are both at minus 110. I needed at least a plus 118 to take a shot on the Cardinals. I do think that they are going to be able to complete the sweep of the New York Yankees. I'm going to be taking a look at the Cardinals. I Needed at least a plus 120, but the big thing for the Cardinals, and we were mentioning it with Ben Wilson, you've got a guy in Adam Wainari posting up right around a buck 76 ERA when he's at home, right around about a 445 on the road. And for Frankie Montas, he's been a little bit banged up. He was on the bereavement list, and then he was on the injured list a little bit prior to the trade. His last time out, gave up three runs to him, which were earned against the Houston Astros while he was in Oakland. So not a bad start there. And overall for the season, Frankie Montas has really been a solid pitcher that deserves better than his 4-9 record, 3-18 ERA. Now, when he's been away from Oakland this year, though, he has a 4-85 ERA, not necessarily allowing the deep ball too much, four bombs surrendered, but still, that is a little bit of a worry point for him. He's been able to get into right around 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, right around 2.4 walks per 9 as well, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, his bullpen has been pretty tremendous. Ryan Elsley has a sub-1 ERA. You've got guys like Genesis Cabrera, Packy Naughton that are able to give you multiple innings out of this bullpen as well. Giovanni Gallegos wanted getting used up yesterday, but a lot of your trustworthy pieces, they're going to be available. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt doing an amazing job in the middle of this lineup. They combine 46 home runs. Goldschmidt, right now the odds on favorite to be able to win the NL MVP with a 415 on base. Tommy Edmond has been able to about a 255 for this team. Nolan Gorman, he's got Ray, got two multi home run games thus far this season as he, along Dylan Carlson, in between about a 238 to a 245. And then for the Yankees, got to figure that these bats are going to be able to wake up. They wind up getting shut out yesterday. Very uncommon for the New York Yankees. Matt Carpenter has been incredible. He wound up having a good game one against his former team. He's hitting overall for the season right around a 425 in terms of on base, getting a home run every about eight and a half at best. Isaiah Canerfalafa, DJ Turnit up LeMayu. These guys hitting between about a 274 to a 285 with LeMayu. 391 on base. Aaron Judge, 43 home runs, hitting a 300. He has been magnificent. You've got Anthony Rizzo, who's been out of the fold last few days, but he's been able to provide 25-plus home runs. Glaber Torres is hitting at 250. He's got a double-digit amount of bombs. And for the Yankees, I mean, the bullpen has seen a little bit of regression with Clay Holmes giving up the lead on Friday, but he still has a sub-250 ERA. Wandy Peralta has been very solid. Lucas Lukey, since really the middle of the month of May, he's got a sub-2 ERA in that time span. They pick up Scott Efforts as well. I do think that both of these bullpens are going to be relatively solid, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Wayno at home. And I do think that Frankie Montas, he's got some worry spots as well when he's been on the road. It hasn't necessarily been great. So, semi-total at 8.3, looking over. And with the Cardinals, getting north of a plus 120, going to be taking a shot here. And we wrap things up with 9.29, on the betting board. The biggest mystery on the board as the San Francisco Giants, they throw it face off against the Oakland A's. As Logan Webb, we know, is going to be the starter for the San Francisco Giants. Fangraphs one and wound up taking a look there. Their projected starter for this game was Cole Irvin. It's either going to be Irvin or it's going to be some sort of a to-be-determined starter. And if it's not Irvin, you got to figure that it's going to be someone like an Adrian Martinez. And that is going to shift things very dramatically. As if you do wind up getting Adrian Martinez, might be setting the Giants as north of a $2 favorite. If you do wind up getting Cole Irvin, 
It's more like a minus 157 price when it comes to the San Francisco Giants. So very much is TBD with regards to this game. But I mean, if you do wind up getting Mr. Adrian Martinez, who I'm currently seeing on ESPN, 652 ERA. He does have a 2-2 two two record, but he wasn't great at the minor league level this season. At home, 540 home ERA, 691 ERA on the road. He has given up five long balls over the course of 19 and a third innings. And this is an Oakland A's bunch that they've been able to play a little bit more respectably recently, but it is still an Oakland A's offense. They have scored three runs or fewer in all but one game thus far this month. Now, for the Oakland A's, they do have a little bit more power out there in the lineup as Seth Brown has been able to slug up 15 home runs. Sean Murphy, he's been able to hit 247. He's been able to give a double-digit amount of bombs. Dermis Garcia is the only guy that is currently hitting above a 250 for this team, and that's because he has seen about 20 at-bats thus far this season. That's going to be going down where Stephen Piscotti, Jed Lowry, you're about throwing their Mr. Bride, throwing their Nick Allen as well. All these guys in a 225 or lower for the San Francisco Giants. It's been a little bit befuddling how this has been a top 10 offense in the league as well. Brandon Crawford, Mike Yastrzemski, Lamonte Wade Jr., Joey Bart, all these guys in a 225 or lower. You've had Austin Slater and Luis Gonzalez out there in the outfield move the line. Both of these guys hanging above a 265. And you've got a little bit of firepower when it comes to Mike Yastrzemski being able to go yardy at a big walk-off homer against the Milwaukee Brewers just before the All-Star break. Wilmer Flores, he's been able to do a nice job being able to go yard along Chuck Peterson. These two guys have been able to provide between 16 and 18 homers. Both of these guys hanging between about a 245 to a 255. Big fear that you've got with the Giants, the bullpen. It ranks in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Now, you've been able to see a little bit more production on some of the guys that have been there the last few years, but you can tell that this team is so badly missing. Buster Posey, John Brevia, Camilio Duvall throwing their Jarlin Garcia. All these guys would be able to provide an ERA of a sub 3-4, but when you end up getting into guys like Junior Marte, Dominique Leon, who's got north of a 6 ERA over the last 30 days, it's been a little bit of an issue. Tyler Rogers has been all over the place this season. His ERA, 450 over the last 30 days, and right around that range for the season, but Logan Webb has been very soft for the San Francisco Giants and his home and road splits. A little bit less demonstrative this year than they were last year. Last year, he posted up well above a 4 ERA on the road. This year, 301 home ERA compared to a 341 on the road with this being out there in Oakland. Now, it is a day game, so the ball is going to be flying a little bit more, but still very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark for Webb out of the 10 home runs that he surrendered this season. Eight of them have wound up coming on the road. His strikeouts per nine rate, nothing great, nothing terrible. He's been able to get right in the neighborhood above seven and a half his strikeouts for nine innings, but has been able to do a solid job in terms of command. Adrian Martinez probably not going to do that, but you do have Zach Jackson, Domingo Acevedo, AJ Puck, Sam Mall all in this Oakland A's bullpen, being able to provide sub-3-5 ERA. So the Oakland A's have been able to do a solid job with that regard. I just don't think that they're going to be able to generate a lot of offense. So if we do wind up getting Martinez or some sort of a bullpen game like I am expecting, because we were going to get Cole Irvin, this would be about a 60 or so cent difference. But if we do wind up getting Webb versus Adrian Martinez, this would be a spot in which I'd be setting the San Francisco Giants right around minus 218 on the money line. On the run line, I'd probably be willing to lay up to about minus 125, minus 130-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. And then with Webb versus Martinez, this would be a spot where I would look at a 7.5 or less to the over and 8 or higher to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family and Podcast. A big thanks to Ben Wilson, doing great work over here at VEASAN, along with his tremendous play-by-play work. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, 
You do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'm going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.